This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Halloween morning via Skype is my friend Michael Lebov. And uh, Mike, what are you going trick-or-treating as later on today? Uh, I'm going to go as uh, Barry Trotz, actually, which is to say I'm going to be wearing a, a wizard's hat and, a, and I'm going to wear a neck brace to hide my neck and uh, just walk around and turning this, this season around. Yeah. Turning people's people's days around. With, <laughs> uh, with my yeah, wizardry. I think that, that's fair to say. Uh, he, there has been some wizardry going on in the last uh, last week or so. Uh, we sat here about a week ago and said that uh, all right, well, they got these four games coming up, and if they can get six points out of them, that would be an enormous enormous victory. And they came away with seven points, <laughs> even with a with an overtime loss that we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. I mean this. This has to be just uh, an incredibly positive week if you're an Islanders fan, right? I mean, yeah, we can we're gonna nitpick a bunch of stuff over the next little while, but I mean, there's no way you saw these four games and were like, yeah, I think they can win three of those and and you know get maybe an overtime loss, they'll be okay. Uh, they went into some tough buildings and won three really tough games in three really different ways. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I mean, 
it's about as positive an Islander morning as I can remember. I, I mean, the game the, last night was a Penguins game, and just that was. I've watched that Islander game, Islander versus Penguin game. I don't know, six hundred times in my life, and that's the first time the first time the Islanders won it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I missed the uh, the first period, which is apparently when all the stuff happened. And then, because uh, I thought, you know, for the second and third periods, I thought they played really well, but I kept hearing about how they sucked. <laughs> I was like, wait, but I guess all of that must have happened in the first period. Yeah, the um, first period was bananas. Yeah. Just, just absolute bananas. And <laughs> it was funny, like, the, there was, there, uh, there's just some, it's funny because on Twitter, like, before games, you'll, you'll hear when the Islanders play somebody who used to be an Islander or someone who's making their NHL debut, like the rounds go about, oh, he's going to score his first NHL goal or he's going to score against the Islanders. Uh, and it's like a, the predetermined outcome. The only thing that I knew was going to happen in that first period was that Crosby was going to score. He just had that look about him and he did, but everything else was just went so off script. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and I think, you know, ultimately that the conclusion we'll come to is that yeah, I mean, the, they're winning games that I think typically over the course of the last number, the ten, last 10 years, let's just make it a right, nice round number, they probably would have lost. And certainly last night, I mean, going into Pittsburgh, um, you know, I thought uh, obviously that the Penguins honored the victims of the, the tragedy at the uh, Tree of Life Synagogue and, and did a good job with that. And, you know, I, I, I hate to sound cynical about it, but I mean, it was a somber moment for the entire city and and you know not only taking the talent discrepancy into account but also the the moment and the situation I I didn't think the Islanders had a chance in winning that game at all and to have hung in there over the you know a pretty wild first period and then to you know put their foot on the gas and and come come from you know a tied moment and take the game is is pretty remarkable and that's the kind of difference that that Trotz has made but uh, but let's go back uh, a week, actually a week ago today. Uh, the Islanders had a, a four-game stretch. And they started with the Florida Panthers, who the night before had kind of gotten their butts kicked by the Rangers. And, you know, no offense to the Panthers, but if you're looking at a, a stretch of games against the Panthers, Flyers, uh, Hurricanes, and Penguins, that Panthers game is kind of the easiest one. It's kind of the, the, the only gimme in there that, you know, a game that you would expect the Islanders to win. And they played like poop. And were uh, somehow staked to a two nothing lead that they promptly blew and lost in overtime. And of course, you know that is the kind of Islanders game that we would have seen. We've seen many times over the last few years, and it just felt like, oh, here we go. This is this is the team again. Um, it's hard to remember all the way back there, but yeah, they didn't play well at all despite that that lead. And then Mike Hoffman scored in overtime, and uh, that's the exact kind of game you're talking about. Where like, yeah, I've seen this before. I know what happens, and the predictable ending is predictable. Like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny how that it's set up like that. Like you, you had that game, which was very pre-Trots Islanders, and he's like, "All right, you see what just happened tonight? It's never going to happen again. And if it does, you guys are all in, a, in big, big trouble." Because <laughs> you know, from that point on, the Islanders like when it's it's not like they shelled up when they played a league, but they're very opportunistic. Especially you know, last night it might just be because it's on my mind. I mean, the Pat Flyers game too. When the Islanders, sure, like they were getting outshot and outchanced and the other teams were pushing play. But when the Islanders had a chance to break out, it was a two-on-one or a three-on-two. Last night was just all on-man rushes. Like yeah. the Islanders, they got shelled. But the more and more I thought about it, it's like every and, – and we kind of made fun – people kind of make fun of 
trots for the quality, not quantity stuff, especially last year with the Capitals, because people thought maybe he was just hiding the fact that the, the Capitals just got outshot every game. But it's it start it starts to like make sense when you think about that game last night. Like Valtteri Filippo and Andrew Ladd must have had six hundred two on ones between them <laughs> last night against yeah. the Penguins. Yeah, no, every time I, I looked up, it was wild. Yeah, no, I I thought the same thing. Um, they you know they did get shelled and they got outside of the game against the Flyers, they got I think outshot in every one. They may have been outshot against the Flyers too. I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but but at the same time, like you especially in last night's game, I, I was hard-pressed to say they were playing really poorly. And what they've gotten good at is forcing turnovers and turning them into odd-man rushes. Like you said, um, I'm thinking about Anthony Beauvillier's goal in uh, against the Flyers, which you know got a huge monkey off of his back. But you know, I, I forgot who stole the puck. I, I, it might have been Eberle, and, or I think it might have been a defenseman, and then who fed it to Barzell. And as Barzell is like drawing a couple of guys towards him, there's Beauvillier breaking towards the net, and he's all by himself. And, of course, Barzell hits him with the pass. And, I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful goal. <laughs> um, but it's the kind of goal that, you know, happens when – and this is old-school thinking – but when you hustle and when you can see what's going on and you know where the where to be to make that play happen. And, you know, that's, I think, the way they want to play. They want to be opportunistic. They want to force turnovers. But they don't want to just take a ton of shots and – uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this more later when we when we conclude. You know, we look at the conclusion, but that's just Trotz hockey. Like, I just don't think that Trotz is gonna. He doesn't want them shooting from everywhere. He'd rather have. He says he'd rather have a well placed one well placed shot than like ten shots from from all over the place. Which you know, in this day and age, especially in social media, is not the way that you can play. How successful can the Islanders be with that? I don't know. They're sure as hell way more successful this first month of the season than I think anybody thought they would be. So it works right. to a certain degree for sure. Um, you know, I'm not about to label them Stanley Cup contenders or anything, but I think I might. <laughs> uh, go right ahead if you want. Hey, go for it. You know, but uh, you know, I I think it's it's a way to play, and the the thing is going to be to get them to play consistently like this. Um, and I'm looking at you, Brock Nelson, because it's October 31st. Brocktober ends tomorrow. We all know what that means. He's going to go into his cocoon until like January and not score again. But he's got six goals in the first month of the season. And if he gets five or six in the next month of the season, and then five or six in the next month, you know, you're looking at a guy who goes from being a consistent 20-goal scorer with, you know, 40 games of inactivity to a guy who can, you know, perhaps reach 40 goals. Like, that's crazy. Who's in a walk year, of course, so right. he's going to make a touch. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what Trotz does is he, he walks behind him before every one of his shifts and he just whispers in his ear, you're in a walk year. <laughs> uh, but he's he's been great. He especially was he was he great against the Flyers and he was really, really good against the Penguins. So, But uh, let's talk about that Flyers game because I, I found the whole thing hilarious. I had a great time watching it. I really did. Uh, yeah, I was laughing. I was. It's, yeah. It was. It was. It was one of the. It wasn't funny until like yeah, I guess like that third period when Barzal, Everly, and Bovillier made that that play, which each each one of them was like it was like subtly beautiful from the three of them. Barzal with that little chip to himself, caught it, put it down. No looks to Everly, who then no looks to Bovillier, who then scored. And of course, <laughs> it was the reunite the reunited game for yeah. them. You know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I know it took a while for Trotz to put together a line that we all saw work beautifully last year, um, but I, I give him a pass on that. I think it's fair to allow a, a new coach, especially, who doesn't really know the players that well, 
a time to experiment. And I, you know, respect him trying to make things work. But at the end of the day, kind of going with what already works. So, you know, why fight it? But I think it's okay if he was going to experiment. So I'm just glad he figured it out, you know, within a couple of weeks before, you know, it's like December and we're still yelling about it. But uh, that game was great. I spent uh, a little part of my Friday night talking to uh, Kelly over at uh, Broad Street Hockey for their podcast. That site is great. And they have like 100 podcasts and they're all really good. And the Flyers, especially when they're having like a bad season, they're easily the most entertaining fan base out there are Flyers fans. Uh, Even when they're winning, they're entertaining. But when they're losing, nobody brings it like Flyers fans. And uh, her and I were like, I don't know how anybody is going to win this game because both we were both very, very down on our teams. And uh, I'm proud to say when she asked me who the under, um, uh, I guess under, what was the word she used? Uh, Under the radar player that... uh, you know, Flyers fans should look out for. I said, well, you know, Andrews Lee is the captain, and I don't think anybody realizes outside of Islanders fans that he scored 40 goals last year. He had, what, he had a goal and two assists or goal and three assists in that game? <laughs> and uh, I said, Anthony Beauvillier has no goals, and he can easily score a hat trick. I can see that happening, too. And he had a goal and I think an assist, too. So, um, you know, all of my predictions mostly came true, which doesn't happen that well, that often. But uh, that was a good, they played really, really, really well. In that game, I mean, from top right. to bottom, that might have been that, and the Sharks game might have been their two best games of the season. And uh, the added bonus of like sending Flyers fans scrambling to kind of comprehend getting blown out of their own building, their own building by this team that everybody picked to be dead last in the league uh, was just extra cherry on top. And they, you know, Michael Norworth was coming back. People were like, oh yeah, he's going to be pretty good because he's coming back from injury, and now is the time for him to be good. No, they they kind of victimized him in that game and victimize the, the Flyers defense and that was one of the more fun games I've seen the Islanders play in a really long time yeah and, and it was funny too because uh going into that game the Flyers were really struggling and like you said like Neuvert was coming back which weirdly was like a oh my god the season's turning around Michael Neuvert's back moment which I was like all right you guys are really grasping for straws here like <laughs> they're carrying three goalies now too I think they might have oh, three nice. on the active roster because they just nobody nobody can make a save it's crazy yeah that's and and honestly, like the that was another game that if this was a you know different kind of coaching staff, the Islanders might lose because it turns into a hey the Islanders are coming to our t- town. This is a chance for us to build something, get a win. We're struggling right now. This team obviously isn't very good. They they don't defend well, uh, and it turned into the Islanders pouring on to the Flyers' misery, which. That, I feel like that rarely happens when the Islanders do that. You know, they're usually the team that, that turns team seasons around. And instead, they just went in, took care of business, went out, and uh, played. Yeah, they, that was a really just impressive game from from a team that I was fully – I was that game, I was fully expecting them to lose after the right. uh, Panthers Panthers game. Because it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe maybe it's going to take a little bit more time for, for, the, <laughs> for the Islanders to be good because <laughs> of the Panthers game. And, yeah. Uh, it, it didn't go that way. I was I was I was thrilled. Um, all, all three of these games, uh, or I should say, every game but the Panthers game, the Islanders had every single reason to lose. Like they, you know, they had a, it was a matinee on the road, and which I told Kelly again, like, I there's no way the Islanders are going to win that game because it's a matinee on the road against a struggling team. They got called out by their coach, like their Dave Haxtell told them to sack up or something like that. Like they had to, you know pick their shit up or some, whatever Jack Capuano said, you know, something like that. I'm like, they're going to lose, but they won. Um, the next night or the next day they played in Raleigh. And again, against a team that shelled them with shots the first night, 
you know, a li- what is it, 14 hours after they played their again, another game on the road, there's no way they're going to win this game. And I didn't watch it. I was actually in the city <laughs> with my wife. We, we went to see Golden Girls Live, which is a uh, – uh, it was the Lost Halloween episode. They, these guys put together a show where they, they act out the Golden Girls, uh, a quote-unquote Lost Halloween episode that was never made. It was really good. You should check it out. Um, <laughs> I took pictures with them afterwards. It was cool. Um, so I missed the entire game, but it sounded like a lot like the first game where they mm-hmm. got shellacked. And Thomas Grice was just – he is just locked in, man. When he sees that red uniform, he is no joke. Like <laughs> He's out there. Um, and they won. They won. What was it two one, right, or something like that? Was it three yeah, two? Yes, yeah, two one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Ryan Pollock scored, which is nice. Yeah. And yeah, they, it was once like that first period was once again. It was like yeah, I, I think it was the Islanders that took the lead in the first. Yeah, they took the lead in the first. And uh, it was yeah, it was just sitting there like okay, this is nice to have the lead, but <laughs> we're probably not going to. But that's when it kind of hit me like the Islanders are going to be really hard to beat. And not in a – they're just going to sit back in their own zone and just absorb pressure and blo- try to block as many shots as possible like some other coaches have with that defensive reputation. No, they're going they, – what they do is they kind of like uh, – I don't remember if you remember scrubs, but they say like when they boing flip, they, they like they like absorb <laughs> pressure and then they turn it they turn it around very quickly and they're right. going the other way. Yeah. So they have a game – they have a game plan to, to counterattack, which it's it's – it's cool to, to watch. It's something different. Uh, it's something I never really paid attention to with Trotz because, you know, like when he was in Nashville, obviously, and then a little bit more with the Capitals. But it just always looked that like, all right, the Capitals are just giving up a ton of shots and they're winning because they have really good players. But you, you start to like kind of notice the, the nuances to the game plan. Like they make it they make every inch of hockey, uh, of ice hard to, to earn on the other team. Like it's, it's, this isn't them just sitting at their own blue line. They're like the Barzal play against the Flyers, the pressure starts right as the, the puck hits some the other team's stick. And then all of a sudden, goal number one is get the puck. Goal number two is pass the puck. Goal number three is to score. So it's just it's 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 cool to watch, and and I'm I'm really excited because I think honestly, like my my ex, my expectations aren't are I was being facetious when I said they're Stanley Cup contender, but they're definitely raised a little bit, and I think that this team could could kind of just hang around because of the way that they they play and the, the the game plan that they're they're deploying will will earn them points against teams that they really haven't had no business earning points against <laughs> at this time last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean the Hurricanes they've taken four points from the Hurricanes. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's again it's they've had and you know we haven't even mentioned it too like this schedule to open a season has been really tough. I mean they had eight eight out of 13 games on the road. No, sorry. I think I think 11 out of 13 games have been on the road. Like, they've barely played at home. They played some really tough competition that, you know, aside from the Hurricanes, uh, you could look at before the season and be like, man, that's a tough schedule. They're playing San Jose. They're playing Nashville, Philly, Penguin, you know, Pittsburgh. Uh, that's tough. And and they've managed, like you said, to make points and hang around. And as far as trots, like, it is funny because I remember when, when Nashville, you know, first came into the league and, he had this reputation as being a defensive guy. Like, oh, well, you know, they're not going to be very good, so they hired a guy who knows how to teach defense. And then when he got when he went to the, the Caps, it was like, well, I mean, scoring for them is easy. Now they're going to learn how to play defense. But you you realize that it's it's that's part of it for sure. I mean, they're definitely more calm, more structured in the defensive zone. But, yeah, a lot of it has to do with how much they can pressure and, and how they force the turnovers. It's a lot of fun. And, and you know, 
I don't think, again, I'm not expecting Andrew Ladd, Val Filpola, and Leo Komarov to, like, get a goal a game. Like, I just don't. You know? <laughs> uh, eventually that part will dry up. But, you know, so far, like, they're doing what they need to do. They force turnovers, and then Filpola and Ladd can kind of go the other way. And each of them has enough offensive skill. I mean, you said it yourself, like, Ladd brings a certain amount of offense to that line that they wouldn't have with somebody else. And they can do stuff. They can cycle. They can make things happen. And, again, it's all about those turnovers. And it's a lot of fun to see. I don't know how long it'll last. But, you know, the Rangers played like that for a long time, too, and went to, you know, <laughs> three yeah. Eastern Conference finals and a, and a Stanley Cup final. So, I'm, and again, I'm not That's saying the point. Islanders are going to do that. But that was how they used to play a lot, too. I mean, they used to get shelled a couple of games. But, you know, somebody would chip the puck out to Zuccarello and him and, you know, Ryan Callahan would score on a two-on-one. Like that's right. they did that for years, and it works. It's actually funny because I never really thought about that, but it's it's hundred percent right. The, the the Rangers were always mocked for the way that they played. Like, all right, we're Henrik oh, Lundqvist will bail him out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Marty sucks. You know, yeah. Off a shin pad and in. Yeah. Like that was that was how the the Rangers won. You know, eighty points one season off. You know, two goals with inside two minutes left off a of shin pad and in, and Lundqvist <laughs> with like a forty eight save right. performance. I right. mean, it could work. It, yeah. there, there's no like there's no one way to play hockey and and I think that that is kind of got lost on a lot of people including myself at times like especially with the way that we we treat the advanced stats which they add like we they add to the to the to the picture but that don't which out shooting a team 65 to 45 or or out attempting or out of course seeing them isn't doesn't translate to, to wins all the time like the hurricanes have been doing it for years and they just never if the Hurricanes had Barry Trotz, they'd probably have been been a dynasty right now. Yeah. But it's just it's just like there's different ways to win, and and the Trotz too, like Ken hit people people buried Ken Hitchcock last year for what he did with the Stars, where he turned him into kind of a defensive minded team with all this offensive talent, and it didn't work. And I don't know, I don't think Ken Hitchcock really took the the like the the modern game and blended it with what his game plan was where Trotz is isn't really stubborn and the, like he has adapted but also isn't giving up like his ship like he's he's taken his his game plan which works and adapted it to the modern game which is all speed and obviously trying to generate as much offense as possible and keep the puck as much as you can so there's there's just something there's some, definitely something going on I can't really you, you, like you said we I'm not trying to get too too up yet but there's something going on that has uh, has at least piqued my interest and kept me much more engaged with with the the season and the and these games than I thought I would be uh, oh, at the for start sure. of the year. I mean, again, it, you know, to reiterate what we said when we started this season, we weren't even sure we were going to be here talking about this team. You know, <laughs> like, and here we are after three straight wins against some really tough opponents, talking about how much things have changed and how how different it is watching them play this year as opposed to previous years and you know i, I think uh, trotz deserves a lot of credit i mean it's it's gonna sound kind of silly but you know i think he's the first person to recognize like yeah i don't have alex ovechkin and nick backstrom on this team like he he knows i think he he said it himself he is evaluating and getting to know these players a lot more he talked yesterday with shannon hogan about getting on the road trip and kind of bonding and, and learning about each other and and finding and getting the players to hold themselves accountable and I know that's the most overused phrase. I think accountability has surpassed class as the uh, classy as the most overused phrase in hockey, <laughs> not sports. Uh, it's the worst. Every coach says it. Nobody knows. It doesn't really mean anything. 
But as, when Trot says it, I think what he's talking about is, you know, players getting on demanding more of themselves, like the players in the room demanding that this guy does this thing and this guy does that thing and playing for each other, not so much playing for the coach. And I think his game plan has, you know, kind of helped that along. And I think he, they've come to an agreement about who, who needs to do what and how they need to play. And every game you could see them getting a little bit more, a little bit tighter, a little bit doing, you know, doing the things that they're supposed to be doing a lot smoother than they were. Hopefully that continues. Again, there are going to be games they're going to lose. There are going to be games where they're just out of sorts. That's going to happen. Uh, again, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, these guys are going to make the playoffs. But, I mean, if they can hang around and, I mean, they could finish, you know, another month. All right, so now they're, they're over two games over 500 for this month. If they can, you know, shoot for over 500 in the next month too, you know, now we're talking about putting something together. And I think the, the players kind of appreciate it. And uh, somebody mentioned it in the comments. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who. Uh, for I think it was last night's game against the Penguins, which we'll talk about in a second. But it really does feel like there's a structure now, another another overused word, but it feels like there's a game plan now under Trots, whereas under Doug Waite and Jack Capuano, it, it was kind of the players more freestyling than anything else. And like I'm not saying they didn't do anything. I'm sure they did some coaching, probably most, mostly on the defensive end of things. But it just seems like there's a, a game plan for how to get the puck and how to score now and that everybody's buying into that wasn't there before. And it's been exciting and it's been fun to see. And, you know, again, you go into three buildings that you didn't expect to get wins in and come out with three wins. I mean, that's crazy. Now we got to see what happens uh, Thursday night in Brooklyn against the Penguins. But, yeah, last night against the Penguins, I mean, I certainly wasn't thinking they were going to win. But they got shelled in the first period again. But it was 2-2. They, they went up 2 nothing. They gave up two goals to tie it. You thought, yeah, well, again, like you said before, I've seen this movie. We know what's going to happen. But the third period was all Islanders. They outshot the Penguins. They played really smart, really well. And I don't know. When Matt Martin scores, I feel like the Islanders are going to win the game. Like, it's just it's a weird thing <laughs> happening against the Flyers. Uh, and when he scores, things are going to happen. And, you know, that I think it just pisses people off when they see yeah. Matt Martin score against their team. So I like it. But, uh, yeah, they, then they, they ended up finishing that period up 5-2. to two. And they ended up winning at six to three. I mean, you know, uh, so that was yeah. I think, game. And it's funny. I think the first period really skewed in that Penguins game. How because th- they were outplayed out in the first period. They were they were running around a little bit, and uh, they were very lucky to, to be up or to be tied, but to have a two goal lead at some point. And uh, the second and third period, like especially the second the second half of the game, like once once we got to that. Once Brent, basically, once Brandon Burke said the Islanders have been outshot twenty-two to seven, and then the, immediately the Islanders scored as that as he finished that sentence. I think Phil Pillow was the one who scored that goal, and and from that point on, the Islanders were the better team. Like, and and whether it was the Penguins just being like, oh, just in, in their own heads, like it's one of those nights. Like, I can't believe we're in this game, but uh, like that that when Malkin scored that goal to start the third period, the Islanders once like they just kicked into gear and. Uh, the game plan came out. I was, I was shocked, shocked how that te- how well organized the team. Like they weren't running around at all in the third period. I was, no. What uh, what is going on? Like this is not this is not who I expected them to be. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, they had to kill a penalty. I think in that that period too. At one point, oh yeah, they were killing a penalty, and then the Penguins pulled the goalie, so they were up six to four, and there was no no scrambling. They just cleared the puck. I mean, they got a couple of lucky bounces. I think the, the Penguins 
had a little bit too much mustard on their passes a couple of times, but you know that that comes from pressure, I think, and that comes from forcing the you know uh, the puck carrier and, and making those things happen. And the Islanders just killed it, and that was it. And Jordan Eberle didn't get a hat trick into the empty net, but um, yeah, I mean it was it was impressive after that that first period. Um, it turned they turned out to it turned into a pretty impressive performance, and uh, you know at that point I thought it was okay. I mean Malkin scored about a minute or so into the period and made it. Uh, five, five, three, and you thought, oh boy, here we go. But you know, once you got past the ten minute mark, and things were pretty at that point, pretty much still in control, it worked out pretty well. However, the uh, the the black cloud, and the reason that I'm afraid that this is going to be obsolete by the time we post it this morning, uh, was that Robin Leonard left with an apparent injury. Uh, they showed it on TV, him kind of stretching his back out a little bit. He went into the locker room after the second period, and Thomas Grice emerged as their starting goalie, as the goalie in the third, and uh, Leonard wasn't even on the bench. So hopefully it's just a, it was just a precautionary thing. They were up three goals at the time. Maybe Trotz is just supremely confident in his team executing his game plan, uh, which you know would be good because they do have a game against the same Penguins on Thursday uh, in Brooklyn. But if Leonard is hurt or he's out for an extended period of time, that's going to be a problem because there's no way they are where they are right now without him. He's been absolutely outstanding. And Grice has played well, too, in fairness, um, but way better than he did last year. But, man, Leonard, I mean, you talk about surprises. Uh, yeah, Barry Trotz is a surprise that he's gotten this much out of this team so far. But, man, Robin Leonard has just been awesome. Like, he's just been yeah, awesome. <laughs> he, he's, just, he's giving them everything that they didn't really get last year, where it's making every save he's supposed to and then some. And, yeah, that would really suck. Uh like Grice definitely has has been good, especially those two games against the Hurricanes, basically taking points from them, and uh, he's had a, a couple of you know down moments. But at this point, like just the way they're playing, they're making life pretty easy. I think it was uh, ND Red Eagle on the site was posting about how they have like the highest expected save percentage in the league going into the game last night. So like another thing that that Trotz is last year, last year the Highlanders goalies. I would think they, they had like grounds for a lawsuit against the coaching staff and the rest of the team because of <laughs> how, how how hard they made life on them. But this season, it's it's they they're making life a lot easier on these guys. They're keeping chances to the outside for the most part, and you know when when basically when they need a timely save, they they get it because you know these one out of every ten shots basically is has been like a a, qual- a quality scoring chance for the other team. So uh, yeah, hopefully you know. <laughs> Let's just hope to God that, that he's all right. And yeah. <laughs> uh, like you said, it was precautionary. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the thing, too. Like when we're getting back to the stats debate, yeah, I mean, the stats that are popular and, and, you know, people look at, and again, they are important. I'm not trying to minimize how important they are. People have done, you know, studies on, on how leading the league in Corsi and Fenwick kind of translates to overall success over time. And I get all that. And that, that makes 100% sense. But like you said, there are other ways to win hockey games. And we also know that Trotz keeps his own stats. And I mean, for him, scoring chances are the big thing. And high danger scoring chances, I'm assuming, are the biggest thing. And, you know, we don't know if his high danger scoring chance correlates with everybody else's high danger scoring chance. But if he, they weren't doing what he wanted to do, he would definitely call them out. I mean, he, he said last night after that game that the first period against the Penguins was probably the worst period they played all season so he's not immune to be you know seeing what's what's happening out there so he would definitely call him out on it but yeah like you said I mean they're they're whatever it is that they're doing in that defensive zone is helping the goalies out a lot and it's certainly way more than they got help with 
last year. I mean, I'm sure Yaro Halak. I mean, he's he's been fine in Boston, but I'm sure Yaro Halak is like, man, where was this when I was playing? You know, like that kind of thing. So, uh, it's that's the thing. And as long as they can keep making the coach happy and and doing what he wants to do, I mean, it's hard to argue with his track record of of success going back right. to his Nashville days. And it's funny. I think people who don't watch every game and do do look at. Uh, Stats, which I do for other teams, and you just you come up with an, these assumptions uh, for how a team's playing. The, the Islanders have a really high shooting percentage because, like we were saying, they have had so many odd man rushes on the counterattacks. So, like Valtteri Filippo might be shooting sixty two percent, but it's because he's he's staring at an empty net every other shift. <laughs> yeah, he's drawing him, the goalie him, out, and, yeah, setting yeah. up an empty net for somebody else. So. Right, exactly. Him and Andrew Ladd both have just banked in three goals this yeah. season combined. Like, Matt it's, Martin banked in a goal against yeah. the Flyers. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like the, the Islanders have had so many, like these, so many empty net chances. It's it's great. It's, there's a uh, a manager in, in soccer in in the Spanish league. His name's Diego Simeone and he, he manages Atletico Madrid and they're just known as this like defensive, you know, they play the best defensive soccer of basically our generation and what they do is they have two talented strikers up front who just clinical and finishing, they will always if, if if Atletico is coming down on a on a counterattack with numbers, they're gonna end up scoring. And they get a two or three of those a game, they're gonna beat you they're gonna beat you one nothing. Right. And that's what the Islanders are kind of doing. They're like, well we'll take our, you know, ten on man rushes a game versus your sixty six, you know, shots from the point, hoping that it banks in off somebody a game. And and they're making that bet and right now it's working and right. it's gonna work against it's it's going to get them points against better teams, like, like we were saying before. So yeah. uh, Butch, I, I, I don't have enough good things to say about it. Yeah. Uh, Butch Goring actually made the point last night uh, that um, also <laughs> – Butch also called Tom Tom Kuhnhackle Tom Kuhnuckle. And uh, what was the other – he had another one too that was great. I just loved – he, he must have said Kuhnuckle in like 15 times in, inside of a minute and a half. It was really funny anyway. Um, but he made the point that the Penguins are almost trying to do too much, and it was sort of playing right into the Islanders' hands that they were, you know, taking those those ec- little extra moves and turning them into turnovers and, and kind of going the other way. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a lot of fun, and and if they can, you know, again, I don't think anybody expected them to be where they are right now after the first month of the season, and I think that to call it anything other than wildly successful is kind of missing the forest through the trees here, you know, and so. We'll have to see where where November takes us, which has historically been a pretty awful month. But hopefully, Barry Trotz can exercise those demons too. Starting tomorrow night, uh, starting Thursday night in Brooklyn against the very same Penguins, who you know are going to be pretty pissed off that they got they lost uh, uh, a pretty emotional game uh, on Tuesday at home. So, um, however, let, let's talk about another sort of off ice thing. And uh, again, we'll, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have to get an update on Leonard later on. But uh, uh, Tuesday saw another thing come up um i guess he was in he was with the sound tigers because they were playing hartford uh in the ahl but uh brett sergalis had an article in the new york post uh an interview with josh hosang who basically lamented what he believes is sort of a predetermined uh place on the islanders uh hierarchy he kind of said that uh you know he felt that his his role was already predetermined before training camp and he hasn't really gotten a fair chance either in the NHL or in the AHL uh, under Brent Thompson this year. He called Lamorello a great man and said that, you know, the Island, he's got nothing but love for the Islanders, all that kind of stuff. But it was obviously Josh griping. 
about playing time and, and his role. He's not on the power play down there for Bridgeport, although he is getting the playing time. He just hasn't done a whole lot with it, according to uh, our friend Alex Novet on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I just I think we both are in the same boat that we, we want Josh to play for the Islanders. We love I have his T-shirt like we want this guy to play, but he ain't doing himself any favors with this kind of stuff. And man, you can't you can't say these whether you agree or disagree with what he said you can't say this stuff when you've got zero goals and four assists and the team is winning the big club is winning and you've got guys on your own team that have played really well this year michael dell cole for example has has played really well this year and the timing was off you know the message was not going to be well received by management for sure and it's this kind of stuff that just sounds like less like a guy trying to muscle his way onto the, the big club than a guy who's kind of struggling maybe a little bit, kind of griping, as opposed to just keeping his head down and playing. I don't know. Am I am I an old man for thinking that or is it just No. No, it, it is. And it's funny too that you know, this is coming from the post too. It's just it sounds like a very postian thing to do. Like, yeah, it's really let's, weird. <laughs> why don't why don't we go uh why don't we go needle Josh Hosang for a couple pu- hmm. couple quotes to to like get some Islander fans to pay attention to us in our coverage, but uh, it's it's yeah it's it's a bad bad idea on his part, and and, and I, I get like who he is and what he's trying to do with being honest with like we always get on players like we were making fun of the accountability thing before for for sticking to the script and uh, in post game interviews and stuff like that, and he's obviously not doing that here, but uh, at the same time you know this is kind of stuff that if, if you feel that way and I, maybe he has like. There, there are other people to tell besides Brett Sergalis, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, and yeah, like it, it doesn't, this guy could, could basically do no wrong with the fan base. Uh, and people love him. We love him. I, you know, he's, he's a kind of a breath of fresh air type player. And now it you're looking at it. He's kind of taking the wind out of that, that hype train a little bit, which, which is kind which like, like I just said, was, would be hard for him to do, but he found a way to do it, which, you know, it's kind of frustrating. No, and, it is. Uh, yeah, the yeah, timing and, is just all wrong. Basically. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and it also like, dude, if you if you wanted to, do you not think that other teams are are that article didn't go around to the thirty other teams in the NHL? Like, you know, just just add this to the port the Josh Sang portfolio in case <laughs> we do in case we do want to take a risk on you know trading for him. Uh, so yeah, just a bad idea. He, you know, what's funny. It's 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 hard to it's not fair and direct. Uh, comparison to make but it's it's, because rob shrimp didn't do these kind of things with like the media but he's starting his his um his uh his career is kind of starting to take a shrimpy and kind of turn (laughs) here's this guy with tons of talent unbelievable hands but the only place i can see him succeeding is over in europe uh at this point just because of his reputation here and 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 the fact that he's not doing himself any favors and you know the big ice will definitely suit him so you know, I, I don't. I don't think we'll be surprised in six or seven years when Josh Hosang is in leading the Swiss league in scoring for the Zurich Line, something like. I like that phrase, "shrimpy in turn." I like that. Yeah. I'm surprised we never had a uh, commenter with the you know the screen name "shrimpy in turn." But um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and that's another thing too. That's like a discrepancy between the way hockey people think and the way sort of we regular people think, particularly people on social media, is that. You know, immediately it's like, oh, well, you know, the Islanders are going to trade this guy and he's going to go on to be a big star for my team. Dude, your team is run by the same people that run my team. Like, there's there's very little difference. And I can guarantee that there's scouts in your room that are 
like don't touch this guy with a 10 foot pole like that's that's the way it is and you know we're all afraid of that we all saw it happen with Nino Niederreiter and you know his his agent made some noise and then he he got traded and he's turned into you know a, v- a very very talented player um but I, I think that was a different situation and I think you know Josh the reason he's an islander in the first place is because he had a a reputation going in that might not have been totally deserved. And again, I'm not trying to like, you know, say that these people are right. I I want this guy to succeed and I want him as an Islander and I want him to give great interviews where he says stuff, uh, you know, speaks his mind about subjects ranging from all types of different things. I want that, but he's got to be able to hold his own on the team in the NHL in order to do that. Like you can't, you can't put the cart before the horse. You can't give a great interview and then not back it up with great play. Like it doesn't work that way. Uh, And so unfortunately for Josh, he's going to have to figure that out and he's going to have to play to a level that makes the team stand up and take notice. And, you know, right now um, Michael Dacol is doing that. And, you know, even if he did do that, I mean, Kiefer Bellows, somebody else brought this up in the comments too. Kiefer Bellows had more of a uh, uh, a case to be made to stay with the team than Hosang did, and Bellows didn't. Get, he got sent down, and all he's done is you know played pretty well so far. So it's just it's a real shame that we're gotten to this point. And anytime a, a, a player is drafted, and you know he's still not a regular like three or four years on. It's it's tough, I and mean, we talked about Michael Del Cole earlier in the season. Like, I just I feel like this was the year that he was gonna, you know, it was either is make or break for him. Like, he's either gonna go or he's gonna actually make himself into an NHL player, and he's done very well for himself so far in the first month of the AHL season. But um, the time starts ticking, and you start to wonder. And we just now is not the time for this kind of stuff, dude. Like, we can't have this, you know, while you're well, the team is making different changes. Down there, it's always a struggle for Bridgeport. Like, we always <laughs> want them to be good, but they never are. So we want them to be there, too. And it's just not a good time for this right now. And, you know, it's a shame. But like you said, the time, the tide is sort of turning. And I think people are kind of getting a little bit tired of of this this story. It's like reruns, you know. Like, we've been, we, were, we were on board in the beginning. Yes, we want the guy with this reputation. We want to make him an Islander. Screw everybody else. We want this guy. And now three years later, it's like, ugh, man, you know, like, just – just play hockey, dude. Just play hockey, score goals, yeah. make stuff happen on the ice, and then we'll talk about screwing the other guys and being that, that kind of guy. You know? so. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You put it right. I got nothing more to add. I, I hope he he learns from it a yeah. little bit. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure he got a phone call from Lou, and I'm sure Lou's open to Joshua. Well, I, <laughs> I'm just reading this. I I I love when Trotz calls Barzell Matthew. I just I assume that they always call the young guys by their full names. So it's Joshua. Yeah. Matthew, that kind of thing. Yeah, that is, it's that's kind of funny actually. It, it, I, his his post game stuff is great. Matthew, yeah, yeah Matthew, <laughs> he was just, he's like, oh, I just uh, Matthew. Wow. It's like yeah. the whole the, the whole other the rest of the league calls him Matt Barzal or Barzal, yeah. and right. and there he is, Matthew. <laughs> I like how yeah, Anders Lee is Leezy, but Barzell Matt Barzell is Matthew. <laughs> I just find it funny. It's such an old man thing, and I guarantee <laughs> I guarantee they call Josh Joshua. I guarantee. Yeah. It. I would, I would assume <laughs> and so. And if I knew his middle name, I would. I, they probably use that too. So, anyway, uh, all right. So uh, yeah. We, well, oh, sorry. What did I, you say? I, I, I was just saying. I want is Robin Laner. I was just thinking of their first names. Is he the first ever Robin to play for the Islanders? He's got I mean, it. Right? There haven't been a whole lot of Robins yeah. in the NHL, as far as yeah. I know. Probably. Right. Yeah. There you go. It just hit me that his name is Robin. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't even think of any other NHL Robins, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> pretty sure Matthew Barzell is the first uh, 1T Matthew to uh, play for the Islanders or play anywhere for that matter. Uh, okay, so, uh, uh, well, what else? Like I said, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because uh, it, it is only 9.06 a.m., so there's a whole day for stuff to happen. But, um, yeah, it's it's been pr- pretty much a wild week. I don't think we, anybody expected it. Uh, so they got Thursday night against the Penguins at home. They have, I think they're, what is it, Saturday against the Devils. Uh, yeah, then Monday against the uh, Canadians, who always beat the Islanders. And then, uh, oh, and then Thursday, they're in Tampa. So, oof. another, <laughs> man, that's another rough, another rough stretch of games. But, uh, you know, I think anything is I'm really not, possible. I'm not scared anymore. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's funny. Like you know, uh, like I'm just thinking, I'm like, yeah, we can beat him. We can beat him. We can, hmm. we can definitely beat him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not scared. Uh, that that ta- I was looking at the schedule before um, while my power was out, just trying to like get in as much as much pre pre pod prep as I could. And uh, yeah, I saw that that Tampa game, and I just started laughing because I knew like, you know, if this was any other week, we'd just be like, oh crap, <laughs> they're yeah. gonna. They're gonna go zero and four and get their doors blown off just to put the cherry on top by the lightning. But no, I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not too worried. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got. And and if even I'm if looking they, forward to it. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know, even if they do lose, I, I the thing is, like, I expect there to be uh, uh, an explanation as to why they lost, and and you know, we'll even we'll be able to look at it and be like, hey they didn't do this or they did this too much or they didn't do this enough and we would be able to explain it because I think what's happening is that they're building a case for themselves. I mean, Trot said it last night too after the game against uh, the Penguins. You know, they're forging an identity, which again, the the fifth most overused phrase in, in sports, but it's they're forging a way that they play and, and a way that they're going to be known for playing. And so – they go in there and play that way. Hey, maybe it works. I mean, Trotz has played the lightning a million times in his career, so they'll be able to figure it out. So, uh, but yeah, I'm not scared. I think that they'll have a chance to win the game and see what happens. And if not, then, then Trotz is going to figure out what happened and how to fix it. Uh, you know, they definitely do need to fix that first period problem because it seems to be a consistent issue, but, uh, I think they will. I think they'll get around to it eventually and uh, and get it fixed. But I don't want to look too far ahead because, again, the Devils have always been a tough out for the Islanders. And the Canadians, I don't even want to get – I just hate playing the Canadians so much. They're just the worst. Um, but uh, And I'm sure they're going to come down. The, the whole contingent is going to come down and be like, uh, what, what is going on down here? How, how you, win, <laughs> you won this many games? How you do that? You know, Because they probably have totally ignored the Islanders since about July 2nd. So that'll be <laughs> you, know, you know what? One other – kind of thing that was funny about that game last night was in the broadcast during during the broadcast uh butch goring brought up that mike sullivan and barry trotz obviously had coached against each other i don't know if it's butch or brendan it was probably brendan in in basically in three years in a row and they've seen each other a lot over the years obviously with the penguins and capitals and the winner of that series had gone on to win the stanley cup but just the fact that you know like going into the this season, before this season, when the Islanders would come to town, like the other coach, I wonder if they would be like, you know, if, if Ken Hitchcock or Mike Sullivan or Claude Julian would just be like, oh, the Jack Capuano, like I don't even, is that a real person? And 
Or what, why is Doug Wake coaching the Islanders? Like, yeah. what, what, what connection is there that he ended up with the Islanders? But like now it's Barry Trotz is coming to town. It's like I can just see the coaches afterwards just like giving each other a nod or like getting a beer after the game. And it's like it's just a, a newfound respect level that I have. And I also also want to bring up the uh, the assistant coaches, like even Scott Gomez, like they I feel like when when even going back to Ted Nolan, when he had Dan LaCroix and Danny Flynn and and there's just like they, they look more menacing on the bench than they ever have. Like last year, like they, they, Ray Cronin looked menacing in a different way. And like if you don't if you don't give up your body to block a shot, even down five one, like I'm mm. going to kill you kind of way. This is like more of a they're like walking around. They look like Secret Service. And uh, it's it's I'm just like I'm, I find myself just staring at the bench. Part of it is because I still haven't computed that Trotz is the coach. Like yeah. my mind is still getting used to that idea. But the other part is like I'm just fascinated to watch these guys on the bench. They look like they're doing stuff with purpose after everything. Right. It's uh, it's it's really cool. Yeah, uh, Trotz has that kind of steely-eyed look behind the bench. He's always looking, and uh, it, yeah, it's a totally different thing. And I'm just used to the Islanders, especially under Capuano and under Weight. You know, when and and under Scott Gordon for that matter too, is. You know, I have no obviously no actual data to back this up, and I'm sure everybody would deny it exists. But for referees dealing with the rookie coach, there's kind of that that learning curve. Like you don't get the respect as a as a rookie coach that you at a veteran coach would get from the referees, and you know, maybe your explanations or penalties aren't quite as as crisp, or maybe you don't get those penalties in the first place, that kind of thing. And I, the Islanders have gone through that for so long. I felt like Jack Capuano was the coach for six years before the coaches before the referees like gave him his due, you know, and I'm sure that didn't happen that way. But And Doug Wade obviously only had the one year uh, and a half as a coach. But with Trotz, you don't get that. You can see when he talks to the refs, he asks them, he gets an answer, he goes, okay, and then he moves on. Or he gives them a stern look like, what are you doing? And the co- the ref says something, he's like, eh, well, F off, you know, like that kind of thing, and that's about it. But that's that's the kind of respect level that happens when this guy has been in the league for 100 years. And, yeah, it's it definitely feels different. And, you know, I know we've said that before, and, there are going to be games that feel the same, and they, they, you know, again, that Panthers. We're a week away from a game against the Panthers that felt like the same old Islanders game we've seen a hundred times, but then in a row, three, three games in a row were different Islanders games, and so you know, I think that that that's a pattern that you kind of look for going forward in the season. There's there's going to be games where you're just like, oh man, this sucks. I've seen this before, but then they might follow it up with a game that, again, five years ago they would have lost. Or last year they would have lost, or they've right. never done this, or that kind of thing. So I mean, if that's the pattern they can keep going with, you know, three and then one that just thinks, hey, I'll take it, you know, and yeah. we'll see where it end where they end up. And if they keep like the way the Metro is like has shaped up in the early going, it's uh, with the, the Blue Jackets are Bobrovsky's been bad, and the Flyers have been bad. Yeah. The range the Rangers obviously are struggling, uh, and then you know the the Capitals Penguins. Islanders and Hurricanes are kind of all within earshot of each other. So if they can just kind of hang with the, what whatever this, I think the division will end up splitting in, into two um, with with the, the Rangers and and what looked like the Islanders to going into the year and the Flyers maybe going towards like sinking towards the bottom. If the Islanders can just stay within reach of that kind of mid to top group in the division, that they're, they're <laughs> look out because they like these guys are going to make it. They're going to get better too. That's the like the other thing too is like. Trotz has only had a month to work with this team. We're already seeing the the results kind of pay off, and maybe we're getting too ahead of ourselves. But you know, the, he's going to get better over time when he when he does get you figure out 
what the uh, forged identity looks like. Sounds like a hockey reality show. <laughs> For, forged identity. Yeah. Tune in to <laughs> tune in to see what kind of team the Minnesota Wild are going to be this year. <laughs> forged identity, a, a shrimpian, shrimpian hockey tale only on NHL Network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, there you go. I think that's that that about covers it. Yeah, so we'll see month month two of the. Uh, well, I guess training camp is def- technically month one. Then this is month two. So now we're yeah, going to get into I think, month three. We'll, let's call training camp month zero. Mo- All right, there you go. So month zero, month one, and now we're going to get into month two of. Trot's experience and uh we'll see where it takes us uh all right very good uh thank you very much for listening uh mike can you tell everybody your twitter handle again sure it's uh the big lebowski with two e's the big lebowski with two e's uh be sure to read you be sure to follow mike there uh yesterday he uh as he said accurately tom coon heckle islandered the penguins so there you go <laughs> <laughs> um we uh be sure to read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, please have a happy and safe Halloween. I think we've both had some eerie things happen to us this morning. Your power went out in your building, which uh, delayed us a little bit. My wife and I today, we were making eggs, and we had three, one, two, three separate double yolks in the same dozen eggs, which is a very, mm. very weird occurrence. I think Zool might be living in my yeah. uh, my refrigerator right now. We'll see. Ah. It's very odd. Yeah, I had I don't one. Know if I've, I don't know if I've ever had a double yolk before. Wow, really? Oh. Yeah. You guys shop at uh, our supermarket, Acme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've had one. I, I haven't had one in a long, long time. But I had one this morning, and then she had two. That's pretty wild. Anyway, so Halloween is afoot. Enjoy your trick-or-treating. Enjoy your candy. Uh, be safe. And we will talk to you next week. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.